Welcome to Roots Radio, a podcast about living with ALS. We are your hosts, Lenny and Jesse. Lenny was diagnosed with ALS in 2019. I am a social worker with ALS United Mid-Atlantic. Together, we take a deep dive into the lives of those incredible individuals living with ALS, as well as those in the community advocating for those families who have been touched by ALS in some way. Roots Radio was inspired by Lenny's desire to help others who are living with ALS like he is. Out of his desire, Roots Radio was born. The inspiration for our title, Roots Radio, draws meaning from the belief that the roots of who we are in this world is and always will be a part of who we are, especially in the face of ALS. The roots of our experiences in the world, the companionship we seek, the love that we feel, and the reflection of what we have meant to others These are the roots that will continue to nourish our community despite the ever-changing nature of ALS. To quote our good friend, Kyle Mullins, ALS is a club that we never wanted to be a part of, but thank God there is a club. Well, hello, welcome to episode 14 of Roots Radio. Uh, Lenny and I are reporting live from Lenny Rafalco Production Studios. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this is Lenny from Pittsburgh. <laughs> and you may hear me occasionally on the uh what is it? The, the fanatic when I call it up Lenny from Pittsburgh. Lenny Pittsburgh. That's my shtick. <laughs> but anyways, welcome everybody. Yeah, 14 episodes. That's amazing. It is. My personal goal would be to hopefully get to 20. Uh, but obviously have this continue on. But today we have, I think, a very relevant topic. A very uh, special guest with us. And before I go into that, though, we just made an executive decision a few minutes ago that we're going to try to start each episode and end each episode with a joke. So, episode 14, joke one. What do you call it with pigs are playing tug of war? So what do you call a tug-of-war game with pigs? What do you call it, Lenny? You call it pulled pork. Oh. Um, <laughs> That's what we need. Now we need a little... Oh, yeah, we need a little... Uh, Ba-dumps. Yeah, we need some... Drum uh, and symbols. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, we're... <laughs> next yeah. episode 15. We'll yeah, next that. episode we're going to have a band. <laughs> uh, but anyways... <laughs> So today we have Rachel with us. Rachel is a hospice nurse, and we thought that it would be informative for those of us in the ALS community, as well as really any community of, you know, of, of uh, these kind of debilitating diseases where the services of a hospice uh, can be used because they can be extremely helpful, extremely comforting for the patient as well as for the family. And Rachel is by hospice nurse. And I asked her if she would mind joining us today. And she graciously agreed to join us. So Rachel, welcome to Roots Radio. How are you doing? Hi, Lenny. I'm doing good. Thank you for inviting me. Welcome, Rachel. We're so Thanks, Jesse. You carved out Thank some you. time to chat with us today. My pleasure. Yeah, this is a really special, special episode for a lot of reasons. Um, but we're just so grateful for you, for not only you, but the 
the hundreds of you in the community that you know that you represent um you know just a nurse to begin with we love 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 nurses um but especially a hospice nurse we're just so so appreciative of all the all that you do for so many families um and thank you yeah so i guess before we drop sort of dive into some of the nuts and bolts of of what hospice is um we would love it a little bit if we could get to know you better, Rachel, and you could share with the listeners um, just a little bit about you, where you're from, how you got into the nursing field, um, and sort of what led you to to where you are today. Sure. So uh, originally, I'm from Minnesota. I moved out here when I was like nine or 10. Um, <clears throat> I first went to college to be a respiratory therapist. I did that for a little while. And I had an incident um, working as an RT in the intensive care unit. I had a big burly man with a beard. He looked like a biker. He was on a ventilator and he was scared. I could tell he was crying. And I held his hand and I told him we're here to help him. Um, and my uh, boss that was with me told me there was no time to do that. There's no time for hand-holding. And it was at that time I decided to go to nursing school. I graduated in 2005. I worked in home health for a little while, and then I went to hospice. Um, I was very timid about joining hospice, not really knowing what to expect, but I've been in it ever since, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I think It's a gift. With hospices... That really takes a special person to work at hospice. You know, uh, and the hospice care team that we generally have is a nurse, an aide, social worker, uh, spiritual uh, uh, support, uh -huh. and uh, maybe nutrition or something like that. And yes. They all are very, very sensitive to the patient, the family, and you really get a sense, and at least I've been fortunate, I've seen them with my father, that they really care about the person. Care about right, the person. and we do. We do very much so. And I don't think you could be in hospice and not care and not get connected with somebody and not feel the pain of a family losing a loved one to somebody that you've cared with. And I can attest that with Rachel, from the beginning, I felt that Rachel has been a, a great fit and a great source of oh, thank you, Lenny. knowledge and information and comfort to us. Oh. And it's important not just to the patient, but to the family. Right. I've heard it said you have the heart of a you got the heart of a caregiver. And that's that's something I think you grow into, but it's something you're bored with. Right. Well thank you. My pleasure to care for you and your loved ones, Letty. So not just me and everybody that you do. So it's been it's been great. I'm really um Rachel struck by that story you shared when you were an RT respiratory therapist and mm -hmm. You were caring for that gentleman 
And I, I just want to like give you so much credit because I think there's like, we've all had times in our lives when like something hasn't felt right, you know, and like mm, right. you're in an environment that isn't necessarily allowing for your greatest skills. And in, in some ways they're asking you to not do the thing that feels the most important to you. Exactly. Um, and wow, what strength and courage it takes to listen to that inside of yourself and pivot, you know, and find say, well, I'm going to do something that does allow me to do this. You know, um, I think that's a really amazing story. And, you know, little did that man know what impact you had, you had on each other, you know? Yeah. I didn't even think of it like that, but yeah, I'll never forget it. Yep. I made a big decision that day. So that's what I'm saying that that just came natural to you. Mm -hmm. That was that you go through a checklist, but the human part of you, the natural, you know, what makes Rachel said, this band needs help. It needs comfort. Yes. Provided to him. And that I've got to move on to the next person or my time. And that means a lot. I mean, it means a lot to me when a hospice comes around and they're not checking their clock. I mean, I know that everybody, you know, you we all have other commitments, but it's nice when you get the feeling that somebody isn't just playing the hour out. Or when you say, you know, you can leave now, nothing else to do then. They're not overjoyed by it, but then they want to make sure if there's nothing we can do, we can move to our next patient. Right. Uh-huh. And some people that they're like, okay, great. You know, I can take off and get home early or, or do whatever. I'm grateful for the opportunity to leave early as opposed to just making sure there's nothing else that can be done. Right. Yeah, it's like this acknowledgement of time time, right? Time, what right. it means to spend time, what it means to value time and respect time too, you know, respect time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. People. Um, so when you graduated from nursing school, what was that, what was in there between you going to hospice or did you go right to home care? Oh, I went right to home care with the goal of going into hospice, excuse me, I was just waiting for a position to open. But home care helped a lot. I learned a lot of skills, which helps in the hospice world as well. Like what kind of skills, Rachel, do you feel like? Oh, just like, you know, how to catheterize somebody correctly, draw blood if needed, which we don't do in hospice. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually we do do not do that. know, how to change a trach if needed, but I learned that in respiratory school. So, um, you know, I also learned how to document properly, but in in hospice, it's all totally different. The goal of home care is to get somebody well, to get better, so they can come off of home care, so they can graduate and move on with their life, whereas hospice is end-of-life care-ish with the goal of comfort, 
So it's two different like mindsets. And when I went to hospice, I had to remind myself, I'm not here to make the person better. I'm here to make them comfortable and get them what they need. So yeah. I've been in, in it ever since. So when you went to nursing school, uh-huh. did they, I mean, were there, was there coursework or? No. Regarding hospice? hospice? No, it was a small chapter in one of the books. <laughs> it was a very small chapter, at least where I went to school. Um, I'm not saying that for other schools, but I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I thought how important that is. And people never really spoke about it, though. And it amazes me today that how many people do not even know about hospice and what it really means. And can you so, tell us, um, Rachel, from your perspective, what what is hospice? What isn't? What isn't? hospice you know what's sort of your um what's what's your perspective of it from somebody who's you know very much entrenched in that's your world like how would you describe it to folks who know nothing really about it well the first thing i would say is that hospice does not mean you're going to die tomorrow it doesn't mean you're going to die next week nobody really knows when somebody's going to pass um, the goal of hospice is, you know, to add life to the days you have left here on earth and make them as comfortable and as enjoyable as possible. Um, we try to make sure patients get what they need physically, emotionally. That's why we have a spiritual care and chaplain to help them work through issues or concerns they may have with themselves, loved ones, family members. Um, maybe to get some resolution if possible before they pass. Um, it's all about, it's it's patient-centered program, basically, and everybody else in the family kind of circles that patient. Um, yet they're all still involved. It's mainly about the patient. Um, I think that's basically it that, that I'm thinking of right now. Um, but I think that's really important because I know, you know, as diagnosed with ALS, you know, there's stages. Right. And I'm not talking about clinical stages, but there are emotional stages in my life. Exactly. You know, recognizing, you know, the first stage was being diagnosed and accepting that. Yes. And process, I'd say processing, not accepting. And then the first thing I was hit with was, we recommend you get a peg tube. Uh huh. Yeah. I just walked in here, and now so we're talking a peg tube. What is this about? And then the stages were, yeah, yeah, the physical stages needing help, but, um, you know, when I was ready to finally capitulate. And get into my power chair, capitulate somebody happened to help me with my personal hygiene. Right. It wasn't the physical stuff, it was I've got to get emotionally ready for this. Yes. In my power chair and go out in public. Uh-huh. And quite frankly, one of it is 
hospice because the stigma that I had with hospice was that death is evident. And while I, I like to say that I'm not afraid to die, I am afraid of the dying process and the pain for my family, but my, you know, my daughter, my wife, uh-huh. my caregiver and so forth. But that's what people need to work on the most in hospice. And if you, if you can be strong enough, I would say hospice is something that people don't take enough advantage of. Correct. Uh huh. To improve the quality of life when you're still maybe ambulatory or you can feed yourself. Because all those stages, you know, right now I'm taking Adamant, I'm taking morphine. That represents another stage of the disease. Uh-huh. All right, I got to get over this. I got to do it. Doesn't mean I'm dying tomorrow. Right. He's up closer to death, but who knows when. But that's where, you know, if you could share something with us and, and how you try to help people get over that stigma that I'm not here to, 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 to you know, for your your last breath, but I'm here to add quality to the time that you do have left. However long. Right. Maybe days, weeks, months, years. Right, right. So a lot. I notice a lot of times families are not keen on accepting social work or chaplain services. And it's not just about being a chaplain. It doesn't have to be about God. It doesn't have to be religious. It can just be another support system, someone else to talk to. The same with social work. Um, they don't have to provide you with information of outside services. You may have everything in place, but it could be another support for you or someone in your family. Um, you know, the end of life is hard. Um, we've all lost people that we love. And I think it's a wonderful gift that hospice provides to have people to talk to, someone to cry to someone who's going to take time and listen to what you're saying and actually hear what you're saying. Um, I think that's one of the main things people steer away from when they're on hospice. So I try to educate, you know, if I have a family who doesn't want it and I know they're going through some rough times, you know, arguing with one another, I usually say, Hey, how about we have so-and-so come the social worker, just have her, just talk to her, have her come here and talk to her about how you're feeling. And then maybe the chaplain, they're another resource that can be utilized. And it doesn't have to be spiritual. If you want to say a prayer together, that's fine too. Um, But there's so many avenues of hospice that can really help people. And I think educating the community about the opportunities that hospice has is very key. The other thing I think is so valuable and this is a conversation we, we try to have with our families in clinic when we're talking to them about hospice is, you know, up until up until you sign on to hospice. And at Lenny, I remember us having this conversation about how even more than you, you wanted it for your family, you know, right? Like you wanted 
you're you wanted Marta to have somebody to like call and talk to and support. So it, it allows the the caregiver, the husband, the wife, the son, the daughter to be the wife, the husband, the son, the daughter. Yes. You know, I mean, and still the caregiving, you know, that never ends, but then you you don't have to be nurse. Correct. Sort of hyper vigilance when you're sort of watching it all on your own and trying to mm-hmm. what do I do now? Do I make this call? Like just to be able to have a phone number to say here, like in the uncertainty, call the hospice nurse. Yes. We're gonna talk mm-hmm. about it. You don't have to make those decisions. Um, and I think that is something that you guys provide that can never cannot be measured, you know, in, in the in the amount of just sort of comfort. In, in a different way, that comfort that you provide. Right. And, you know, I even tell patients and families, if you just need, and it's not just, but if you, you know, need someone to talk to, you know, you're having a rough day, anything like that, just call hospice and someone will get back to you and we'll try to figure things out together. Yeah, I can't emphasize enough the importance because I'm living through it of having a large a large support community as possible and that that community includes hospice because hospice does you know uh, I the time may come when I want to just share my feelings and I may want to cry right but I don't want to do it to my daughter, my wife. Right. That feels scared from Billy scared or whatever. So you want that third person independent that, you know, I like to you feel comfortable with them, but say that, you know, you, it, it's good to talk to somebody unrelated. Yes. Spare them feelings. Yes. You let yourself go. Mm hmm. I think one of the things that I would say about hospice is this is my own experience and it may have changed since, you know, surprisingly enough, I'm in my fifth year now since being diagnosed. But I think this is something that should be brought up immediately upon the first or second visit, you know, my experience, the ALS clinic, because I think people can get on hospice a lot sooner, a lot earlier than they otherwise think. And there are financial advantages as well. You know, you're no longer, you know, having to, you know, drugs are coming through, medications are coming through hospice. You're saving co-pays. You're not dealing with insurance. It's a lot of one-stop shopping for different things that are needed to make you comfortable. And I think that, especially ALS, which is a terminal disease, I, I just think a lot of people out there don't realize how soon they can get hooked up with hospice. And they think it's more at the end of the, you know, the end of life type of thing, which I don't, I don't think is the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think um, that's really well said, Lenny. I think um, 
And I think it's maybe it it is a conversation that's important to have with more frequently with families, you know, and and sort of dispel the you know, there's going to be emotions involved in any conversation about hospice, if, especially if people don't know much about it. And, you know, but the more it's just sort of a thing, the more we talk about it as a part of, as a part of life, really, in a way, you know, yes. mm-hmm. that's sort of um, the less difficult, maybe, it becomes more normalized, I guess, that the discussion can be. Um can you share with us, Rachel, just a little bit about qualifications for hospice, what people should be thinking about, especially our listeners who might be new to, you know, know not know much about it besides, you know, usually people always have one experience with it, you know, whether a loved one that they, yes, mm-hmm. you know, yep. Yeah. So basically when someone decides to come on to hospice, they no longer want to see curative treatment and or everything they've tried may have helped in the past, but is no longer helping and their condition continues to decline. Um, usually when you sign on to hospice, there's no more going to the hospital. Um, there's no more calling 911. Hospice is your 911. And the goal is to keep the patient at home and get them everything that they need to keep them safe and comfortable. Uh, let's say they come down with a respiratory infection or a urinary tract infection. Instead of them having to go to the ER or to see the go to the hospital, we can talk to our medical director or the patient's primary physician, run tests if needed, um, and get an antibiotic delivered to the house so the patient doesn't have to go out. A lot of times... Patients aren't able to physically go out. It's too taxing on them, or they're just not able to ambulate, not able to sit up. Um, they just physically can't do it anymore. Um, so hospice is actually a really good thing. It's very beneficial to everybody involved. And the goal is to have the patient and caregivers have less stress, um, knowing that they don't have to go out. There's people that they can depend on to get them what they need. Um, another thing, usually with all disease processes, uh, people start eating less or sleeping more. They might be having more pain, they might become a little more forgetful. It all depends on what specific disease process is going on. But usually the main one is they don't want to seek any more treatment. And they've been doing poorly, although getting treatment, and they've just kind of like had enough. They don't want to go back to the hospital. They don't want to go back to the doctor. Yeah, so that's basically it in a nutshell. And I think that I'd also like to share with people is that you can sign up. There are many different hospice services out there. Hospice right. Uh-huh. So you could sign up and be with one hospice provider. And if there's not a, you know, if there's disappointment there, you could go to another hospice provider. So right. I urge people to take advantage of that and not feel that they are, you know, you pick one and then you got to stick with that. I mean, Correct. I've gone through it myself where, you know, finally after, you know, being 
suggested to me many, many times and said, all right, it's time to try somebody else. And I'm glad I did it. And it's nothing to take away from previous firm to the new one, but they each have their own individual criteria. Mm -hmm. And so it's just important that people do a little homework. They ask for recommendations. They meet with right. the providers. And not just a representative of the hospice, but at least somebody that they would be working with. So if they see, okay, our personalities seem to meet, you know, Besh, you know, he or she likes to laugh, I like to laugh, or I'm not really into talking and they seem to be respectful of that, come in, do the job and leave. So you can't change hospice. And right up front, just give it time to interview somebody. But once again, I, I think it should be as soon as with ALS, once again, because there is no cure. To, there is no cure. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you get your first ALS clinic, ask about hospice. Can I get out of hospice? Mm -hmm. Would you recommend? Or uh -huh. give me the names. If you can't recommend, give me the names of three hospice providers. Everything that I've learned is the sooner the better, even if you don't think you need it at that moment. If I, my, my wife was been so proactive and helpful, always thinking the next step. Whereas for the patient, for me, that next step was I don't want to think about it because that is another threshold that I'm crossing. Right. With regard to the process of the disease. Uh -huh. Whereas somebody like, you know, hospice or caregiver wife could be a little more objective and say, yeah, forget that. You're going to need a wheelchair. So let's, let's get things going now. You're going to need hospice. In fact, it was my wife that brought hospice up to me, not the clinic or anything. And I thought about it. I said, why not? Let's see what it could do. And it's been very helpful to my wife as well, and my family and so forth. So that, that's just the recommendation I would give to people and with everything, not just hospice, but, you know, uh, I know Norm, Norm just walked in. <laughs> he's, he's ready for a walk. Yeah, big old wet nose there. <laughs> yeah, I'm his intermediary. But anyway, oh. yeah, uh, uh -huh. we'll get to it sooner than later. And another thing about hospice is it's not written in stone. Once you sign on, you can always change your mind. Things happen. A lot of people sometimes say, you know, I want to go back and try to try this new treatment. And that's fine. You can come off and you can come back on at another time. So it's not written in stone once you sign on. Yeah, that's a good point. That mm -hmm. you can be on and off multiple times. There's no limit there. Right. And, you know, frankly, it's something that, you know, as a citizen of the United States and as a taxpayer, you've earned this benefit. Right. Yep. It's covered at 100% under Medicare. So the, that cost covers the uh, visits you get from the nurses, the home health aide, social work, chaplain, volunteer, massage therapist. It also pays for most, if not all, of the medications the patient is taking. 
any type of wound care supplies, any type of incontinence supplies, and any type of medical equipment they may need. There is no out-of-pocket copay. It is, yeah. And that's another reason people should take advantage of it. I wish we could, um, and this is an idea for advocacy efforts, and we were chatting about this a little bit, but, you know, I wish for ALS we could expand the Medicare guideline. Yes. Months to, to be a year, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Because it is so, with a disease like ALS, that's so unpredictable, you know, predictable and yet unpredictable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, like Lenny said, there is no curative treatment out there. So I think it should be everybody's right who has ALS to be able to access these services, you know, as soon as there's a noticeable decline. And and I and that's sort of a passion, I feel like, of mine, I want to try to fight somehow to be able to get folks to expand that window. So there isn't this, you know, so folks never get turned away from a hospice because they're told they're too healthy, you know, if right. Mm-hmm. ALS. Um, so that's a, that's a goal. <laughs> that's a, a new goal of mine um, is to try to find a way to raise that awareness about it. Cause um, like Lenny said, not every hospice is educated about ALS and about what comfort measures look like for somebody with ALS. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's really important for listeners to be able to um, have access to that information and knowledge when they're starting this process. Um, Yeah, I agree with you. What would you say as somebody who is, um, I mean, you've been in the field for I think we said 16 years. I think so, yeah. 16 years. And I am just thinking about how, in 16 years, how many families you have touched and helped and supported um, in the dying process. <laughs> Oops, who was that? Like, oh. <laughs> I don't know if you could have, you should have. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we are live. Ooh, too serious. He needed to keep us moving. <laughs> um, I guess what did I? What was I saying? Oh, I'm just curious about what is the biggest thing you've learned in being with all these families over all these years. I would imagine it has to, and I'm projecting a little bit, but I. I would imagine it's had to impact your life so significantly. Oh, yes. I mean, what have you learned? What have you, what's changed you because of your work and for the better? I, the one thing I've learned is don't sweat the small stuff. There are so many things that are so much important. Life is so short. You really don't know when you're going to go. You don't know when your number's up. Um. I've learned a lot of life lessons from patients. You know, I've seen how people can truly love one another through the good times and the bad. Um, well, I think it's a gift to be part of someone's life, especially especially at the end. Um, I mean, especially if you're there with them when they pass, you've been chosen to be there. I see that as a, as a gift. 
Um, but basically the main thing is, you know, I, I see people go through struggles and I look at them and see, wow, look at how good they're doing and they have this terminal illness and I'm upset about something stupid that happened like a week ago. It's like, just let it go. That's not important, you know. Um, yeah, basically don't sweat the small stuff and look at the bigger picture. What's really important? Yeah. Well, I think you've also learned when you come to our house, <laughs> you better bring an appetite. Uh, yes, that too. You'll never go home empty-handed. You'll always have something to eat. <laughs> and you better be rooting for the Philly teams. I was thinking when you were talking earlier about like making sure the hospice is a right fit for you. Like, <laughs> I maybe want to add to that list, you know. Yeah, go Eagles. There's not, no, no Dallas fans in there. Oh, no. <laughs> no Yankees fans. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one to add. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. This was such a privilege. Thank you for. Oh, thank you for having me. This was great. I'd love to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, we're so grateful to you for what you're, the care. Oh, thank you. Lenny and families like Lenny's, um, they're, you're a true, true angel on this earth. And we're really. Oh, thank you. And I'm thankful for Lenny and his loved ones. He's a neat guy. I remember the first time I met him, he scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> but now that I know him, he's a cool Not guy. Sure. Say more, say more. <laughs> I don't know. He was very matter of fact. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to be a tough cookie. But no, he's he's wonderful. He's actually a softie. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately, you got caught in that transition period. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. But I'm like, I got him. I'll take care of him. He, he can, you know, give me the once over or whatever, but I, I can handle him. If you, you put me in my place. <laughs> I I I love it. I look forward to you coming every day. Oh, thank you, Lenny. You're thank welcome. you. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to give you some grief while you're here. Well, that's fine. Yeah. I'm used to it. Or if you say something, I'll say yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. It's all good. No, I'm just kidding. Rachel's been... Uh, and Cynthia, I'll give a shout out to Cynthia. Yes, yeah, Cynthia too. She's wonderful. Been wonderful. Just comes, doesn't stand on the sideline. No, nope. jumps in and. Mm -hmm. Right now, we couldn't be happier. So we are very grateful that you are part of our family community bubble. Oh, thank you, thank you. And once you're in, you never leave. So, uh oh, <laughs> isn't that a movie? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, well, Rachel, that's fine. You. We're great. Thank you. More gratitude today. Thank you so so much. You're very welcome. My pleasure to help. Thank you, Rachel. We'll see you. You're welcome, time. Lenny. Okay. Oh yeah, right. It was a joke. Okay. <laughs> a joke. Let me think. Um, I had one. I don't know if I should say that one. <laughs> All right, we'll just go with the real simple one. So, what do you call a pig with no legs? A groundhog. A groundhog. <laughs> um, 
they're perfect they're perfect all right rachel thank you so all right thank you guys have a great weekend (laughs) you as well i'll talk to you guys later bye 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 -bye. all right lenny episode 14 is check check done what a great episode with rachel um what are your thoughts just afterwards no i uh of course i'm biased because i know rachel she is part of our family bubble and you know she's just a tremendous hospice provider and i just hope that this episode find some useful information for people to make some informed decisions. Mm-hmm. And I will point out there that if anybody would like to talk to either of us about hospice or my experiences, because I have been on hospice, just send an email to our email account that, uh, that Jesse could reiterate for everybody. And I'd be more than happy to talk with you on the phone. If not, no worries. But, you know, um, you know, I have ALS. I've had it now for five years. So I at least can share some of my experiences with those that may be starting out with it in the middle of it or at the end of it. But uh, feel free to, to reach out because I can definitely share some thoughts and just just listen and commiserate with what you may be going through yeah the email is roots roots radio als at gmail.com anybody ever wants to reach out it's roots radio als all one word yes yep at gmail.com yeah um i'm sorry go yeah, ahead go ahead yep no it's just a completely different topic here I was going to shamelessly put a plug in for our second annual charity golf event, Scramble to Beat ALS. You can mark it on your calendars if you're interested, but we have the day of June 21st, 2024. It's a Friday. So that'll be our second one that we will start the preparation process after the first of the year. So. Anyways, mark it on your calendar because we love to have as many people as possible participate, volunteer, or just donate funds so that we can then provide those to the ALS communities. Thank you, Lenny. This was fun recording live. Yeah, well, I enjoyed in, this. In the flesh. <laughs> Yep, I did enjoy this for sure. <laughs> we'll do it again. We'll do it again. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Have a great uh well, have a great Christmas. Yeah. A great Hanukkah. A great whatever season you may be celebrating. Bye, everybody. Bye.